As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, looky here, this is a little bit of a different way to start an episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, but this, my friends, the beauty of podcasting. Michael Beller and Brandon Funston here with you. The two of us talked with Jake Seeley on real time about 90 minutes or so ago, and right when we closed up shop on the episode, which is publishing a little bit later, we got the word about Baker Mayfield being traded to the Carolina Panthers. So here's how things are going to go. Uh, for the next couple of minutes, me and Funster are going to talk about Baker to the Panthers and the implications thereof for Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore and everyone else that maybe has a, a stake in the fantasy game here. And then you're going to hear that familiar athletic brand chime and our intro music again. And then the rep episode, as previously recorded, will continue on from there, including, Brandon Funston, <laughs> a little bit of your own musing about maybe Baker going to Seattle. And hey, 60 minutes, not 35 minutes later, that was totally, totally gone with Baker going to the Panthers. Yeah, I tempted fans. My, this is all my fault. I spoke it into existence. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I referenced the rumors to Mayfield to Seattle. And, uh-huh. and sure enough, I, I basically got him traded to Carolina. There you go. So uh, we uh, everyone has you to thank. Everyone who's happy about <laughs> Baker to Carolina has you to thank for real. Everyone who's not happy about it has you to uh, thank derisively. Whatever we're looking for here, Brandon Funston is the person who pushed this one over the goal line. So let's get into it. Who's going to be pushing things over the goal line here? I, I mean, let's start with Baker. We'll just sort of go down the list here. Baker, uh, we had a pretty good feeling he was going to get moved. Um, you know, the Browns had obviously burned that bridge with him. So, you know, really – had settled into Carolina versus Seattle for a while now. Going to Carolina, I I feel like uh, Superflex and two QB leagues. He's you're not crestfallen if he's your QB two, are you? Yeah, no, I don't think you're crestfallen. It's not. I still don't think it's ideal. Um, but mm. I, I, you know, as I look around, like just in terms of you know Carolina offensive competency you know I know Baker Mayfield has his issues I still think it's a, a, a really good upgrade from Sam Darnold uh, especially if mm-hmm. if Mayfield is all the way healthy and I think we have to we have to admit that part of the downturn that he saw last year was the fact that he was dealing with that shoulder issue and um yeah. you can't ignore it and and uh yeah and, and maybe a little bit of lack of 
uh, you know, weaponry uh, at his disposal in the passing game there. So uh, I'm excited a little bit more for DJ Moore. Um, you know, I think Christian yep. McCaffrey is an easy person to complete a pass to. I don't know that matters who's quarterbacking to throw the ball to Christian <laughs> yes. McCaffrey. But the, uh, you know, the actual weapons in the passing game outside of the running back, I think this has to be termed as an upgrade. Yeah, I think that's really what we're looking at here because Baker Mayfield – he, he's he, you're fine with him as your QB two. You you would prefer him as your QB three in a super flex. He's still not really on the radar in traditional one quarterback leagues. Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, excuse me, is Christian McCaffrey, who regardless of who the quarterback is going to be, you are going to be in or out on him as the second or third overall pick in the draft, regardless. So it really doesn't move the needle for him at all in the fantasy world. DJ Moore is really the big one here because after DJ Moore, we get to Robbie Anderson and Terrace Marshall and, you know, the tight end position. We still don't think it's really going to be much here with Ian Thomas and Tommy Tremble. So we're really talking about DJ Moore. We're talking about Baker Mayfield. What we're really talking about in the fantasy world is just how high does DJ Moore go? So that's the question I'm going to put to you here, Funston. Are you moving? It's very early on after. I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't actually looked at your wide receiver rankings and made any adjustments just yet. But are you going to bump DJ Moore up at all? Or do you just feel more confident in where you had him previously? I think a little bit more. I'm, I'm qu quickly scrambling to get my wide receiver ranks up here. I have not addressed them yet, but I had him at wide receiver 17, uh, Michael mm -hmm. Pittman, one spot in front of him. I will move DJ Moore ahead of, of Michael Pittman. I will have him as my go. wide receiver 16. So, and I will feel really good about it. Um, you know, I kind of think of DJ Moore as like, a way better version of Jarvis Landry is a guy that can run routes well, get separation, has managed to put up serviceable, if not really good numbers, with not very good quarterbacks. When when Baker Mayfield's right, the one thing I like about him, he does throw with anticipation. If they can get on mm -hmm. the page early on with their chemistry, I think they can they can have a hundred catch season in store for DJ Moore. Uh, and I think you know DJ Moore is the kind of guy that I think. Baker Mayfield's going to identify as kind of uh, you know like like a Jarvis Landry, somebody that's been was a good safety valve and a and a reliable option. And I would not be surprised if these two have a really nice chemistry. And as I said, we see a hundred catches out of DJ Moore. 87, 66, and 93. Those are the catch numbers for DJ Moore the last three seasons. The yardage numbers effectively identical the last three years. 1175, 1193, and 1157. The touchdown numbers literally identical the last three seasons. Four touchdowns in each of the last three years. We already talked about this back in our NFC South preview a couple of weeks ago. We felt that those were, you could pretty comfortably, even with Sam Darnold, lock in something like 75, 1104 as a floor for DJ Moore. And so I think that obviously that hasn't changed and maybe it goes up a little bit. It's hard to say it's going to go up from there as a floor. I mean, it's a great season out of a wide receiver, regardless of who you are and who your quarterback is. I think if anything, certainly the concern about Sam Darnold totally pulling the rug out from DJ Moore, that's gone. I, I think we feel very good about that floor and you can't bump him up a little bit. He is now my wide receiver 16 as well. I actually had him at wide receiver 19 before this and I'm bumping him up to wide receiver 16 right behind Allen Robinson for me. Oh, then I think it's it's settled. He is wide receiver 16. <laughs> there it is. Lock him in. Wide receiver 16. And again, like, is there anyone else? Like, does this make, does this turn Robbie Anderson from draft day afterthought to draft day late round flyer for you at all? No, I, I mean, I'm not that interested. I guess, you know, this is mm -hmm. kind of one of those things, see it play out. I still, I still like Terrace Marshall a lot, and I'm still kind of interested to see, 
uh, you know, his development. But really, it's it's going to be so much McCaffrey and so much DJ Moore. We're talking about two guys that yeah. very realistically could combine for 190 catches, you know, and then, you know, what's left after that. So um, right. and I think it could just be this week. It, it is a little bit more Robbie Anderson this week. Oh, we saw a tight end step up. Oh, this week, Terrace mm-hmm. Marshall is starting to show something. I think this is kind of wait and see on everybody else. Yeah, and we are in total agreement all the way down to DJ Moore's wide receiver ranking. Wide receiver 16 for both of us. This is good news. This is good news for DJ Moore. It's good news to get Baker Mayfield out of Cleveland and into Carolina, a place where he can start fresh and, you know, maybe have a decent little offense around him. Maybe the best offense top to bottom that he's played in in his NFL career. So that's the big news. Baker Mayfield to the Carolina Panthers. Thanks so much for uh, sitting with us through this little uh, addition on to the start of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. And here now is the rest of that episode. Hey, hey, everybody, what's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. It is Thursday, July the 7th, at least as this episode comes out. Michael Beller, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston here with you to take you through another episode of TAFFP. Jake, what's going on, man? Hmm, I'm kind of intrigued to see how we do the ADP stuff today. So that's what's going on. Uh, oh. right, like, if anything, uh, what, what is Gabriel Davis's ADP now? Two. <laughs> it's, yep, yep. It's Jonathan Taylor one, and then Gabriel <laughs> Davis two. That's. I think that's okay. ultimately. I think. I think by the time we get to Labor Day, that's where things are going to be. Uh, Labor Day, <laughs> so the end of July. <laughs> uh, Funston, how long can we go on having the the Gabriel Davis wars? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just out here in the Northwest hanging on every Ian Rappaport and, and Justina Anderson uh, back and forth on Baker Mayfield. It's really clouded my vision on everything else, so um, I can't really think about anything outside of that. I don't know. Gabe Davis, like him, but, uh, you know, that's for another time. Got to let this Baker stuff settle. Am I, like, am I very <laughs> weird in our world that I find it, like, extremely hard to get on – into like one camp on Gabriel Davis. Yeah, well, that's the problem. You either got to be, you got to be in the Gabe right. Davis camp if you're going to get Gabe Davis. Otherwise, uh-huh. it's like you know, forget about it. No one's going to have you know. He's in the all helium club right now. I mean, so yeah. well, yeah, that's the point. I think I think we're all in on Gabriel Davis, but as we say every single year, is at some point the helium pops and pops the value like what i always like the cliche i put out there was you know don't buy at peak value because you don't want to and what i really turned it into is don't buy all the risk like don't don't say like all right well everybody's in a gabriel davis is wide receiver 24 so i'm going to take him at 16 to make sure i get him (laughs) (laughs) because then you're buying all the risk that being said is like there's no way to get return value as i still see tweets coming through while we're talking about this (laughs) Uh, that's just what I find to be the biggest bummer of, of things is, is players like Gabe Davis that you like, but you just see all of the value just get sucked dry, you know, and uh-huh. they just mm-hmm. they get pumped up and they, it, it become overvalued. And I really hate to see that because I like Gabe Davis. I like to yeah. go on the Gabe Davis ride. But, yeah, you're literally going to have to take him as like a mid-level wide receiver, too, to be guaranteed to get him. Gabriel Davis, 2022 Gabriel Davis makes me long for the the days of the, you know, one fantasy magazine or three fantasy (laughs) magazines that came out like right around this time, right? Late June, early July. And that was it. And we all showed up for drafts in August. And that was all we had. I remember that was when you could that was when you could hide back in the Hushmanzada days. Yeah. Lock them up. Championship. Yeah. 
We had, you- we had the guy that would pay like the two ninety five for like the photocopied like update that came with the magazine, yeah. which like a, it was like updated rankings, and he would pull uh-huh. them out right at the draft, and everybody it was like, like a pamphlet. Ooh. Yeah, right? it was like a pamphlet exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. Oh, that was man. A game Those changer. were the days. Those were the days when you could get Gabe Davis as wide receiver thirty and have him give you a wide receiver eighteen season and be like, right. oh my god, this guy made my year. And now we're just gonna be arguing about Gabe. Gabriel Davis for the next two months. So we're going to put that on the back burner for today. We are not going to argue about Gabriel Davis today. And instead, we're going to play a little game that I'm calling Who Am I? I've got five players slated for our discussion on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm just going to throw some facts out about these guys. I'm going to give you their positional finish from last year by total points and points per game. I'm going to give you where they are at their position by ADP, NFFC since June 1st. Uh, Going to give you that uh, also as the second fact. And then just something I thought was a fun fact about their performance uh, last season. And then you'll guess those players. Maybe you'll get it right. Maybe you'll get it wrong. And then we'll use that as a jumping off point for discussion on those players. It is Who Am I on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast Michael for Beller. this very episode. That is exactly who I am, and I, I wish I could be I part win. of this discussion in a way that had me playing in the NFL, because I think that would be fun. Unfortunately, my uh, my my athletic ability did not push me to that level quite of football, so I'm just going to have to be the guy guiding the discussion rather than... Mine didn't even push me to a second year of football, so that's all you need to know. <laughs> Uh, well, this guy is uh, this guy's in the NFL, so let's talk about him. Uh, here are your fun facts for this first player. Number one, I was RB8 by total points and RB18 by points per game, half PPR, last year. RB8 hmm. by total points, RB18 by points per game. I, I am guess. RB21. Um, yeah, sure. Go I, ahead. I want, I want an early guess. Go for it. Do, I'll, I'll let you finish, Antonio Gibson, but go, keep going. I am RB21 by ADP. This year? Oh, no. I'm wrong. <laughs> and I don't know if you are. And my fun fact is that my three receiving touchdowns last season tied for sixth among running backs, and it is Antonio Gibson. He's RB21. It is. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> nice call. Yeah. Yeah. Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson. He's going only as RB21? RB21, elite NFFC since June 1st. Wow. He has RB21 sandwiched in between, well, one of these guys we're going to talk about, so I don't want to say sandwiched in between just yet. But okay. just ahead of uh, J.K. Dobbins and Josh Jacobs and a couple of other players. Again, this is NFFC drafts, and so maybe not exactly perfect, but that's what we're using for the sake of discussion here. So let's have that discussion on Antonio Gibson, you guys. Like, we we're, we talk about the running back dead zone in the fantasy football world. We're going to be talking about it on this show. We're not specifically talking about it on this episode here, but Antonio Gibson for me, you guys, is one of those dead zone RBs that I just I want to avoid. I don't like the, all the signs here with Carson Wentz being the quarterback, which is you know fine, but obviously not ideal. With uh, J.D. McKissick being back in Washington, so you feel like the receiving game upside is not super huge. That's sort of why I threw in though that he had three receiving touchdowns last year, so it's not like he's a nothing in the receiving game. I just see even at RB twenty, RB twenty one, excuse me, a lot more risk than potential reward. So I find myself avoiding Antonio Gibson and would have to see his price slide a fair amount if I were going to get in on him. Why don't you take this one away first, Jake? Yeah, when you said 21, that's why I'm actually surprised because it feels like the people out there are more positive on him, but I guess the early NFFC drafters aren't. There's a lot of risk here, let's be real, but there's still 
potential upside. I'm actually different than you. I'm I'm okay with 21. I'm actually even okay with like 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Yes, you mentioned the number, and that's why I knew. Uh, I've been talking about a lot of Gibson lately, and that's why when you said the RB8, but so far far farther down in points mm-hmm. per game, that's why it like immediately came to mind because I also just did uh, Chris Harris's, as I mentioned on the last show. I just did his podcast earlier this week, and we talked about the NFC East. The Gibson upside is this last year replicated and it doesn't need to be more in the passing game it doesn't need to be all of a sudden 50 60 70 targets because jd mckissick's going to get his he came back after flirting with the bills but the washington teams never wanted gibson to be that involved in the passing game which i know makes us all sit here and scratch our heads and be like you know this is a guy who majority receiving side of things in college and then they flip him to rushing only and it's just weird for everybody but all that being said is this is who he is. The concern, the downside, and where I get where you're coming from is if he loses a bit of that passing game and now he's not 30 receptions, he's only 15, and then Brian Robinson becomes a factor and just yeah. clusters up this entire backfield to what's a committee because there's already been talk from our own website talking about the fact that there's concerns that Gibson struggles with fumbles, especially around the goal line. And now if Gibson's only getting 50% of the share – 21 is going to be too high. So I think it's a fair spot for the risk, but I'm with you. And I'm with you if it got up to RB 15, 16, where it would be too high. Where he is right now, I'm actually okay with. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we got to remember that this guy was, I'm looking it up now. He, in half people, he was RB 13 as a rookie on 206 touches. You know, there's mm-hmm. that as well. It's like, uh, you know, we, we're going to say Carson Wentz, whatever, but is is he? I kind of think he's an upgrade. Honestly, I really do. I think he's an upgrade. I think this offense is actually better uh, than with more upside with him than Heineke. So can he get to double digit touches and he still gets over 200 or double digit touchdowns and still gets over 200 touches? Like a path to RB21 is pretty easy for him. And I think. Where McKissick's been there. He's been a part of this equation the whole time. Brian Robinson Mm -hmm. is the sixth running back off the board in NFL drafts. A guy at the most publicized college in the country going sixth sixth overall among running backs. Like, I think we're putting a lot of fear factor into Brian Robinson. Yeah, he he could come in and and take some work, but this is still Antonio Gibson leading the way. Uh, You know, and so as long as he's the majority shareholder there, I think RB21 is an easy return possibility for him. Fourth in the league in carries last year, which um, it surprised me a little bit uh, just to see him right there was Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, and then a big drop from Joe Mixon down to Gibson. But then you do find Gibson ahead of Dalvin Cook next, and Alvin Kamara uh, comes after Cook. And those guys probably both get more carries than him had they not missed time. But it's it's nice volume shoulders to be rubbing, nice volume elbows to be rubbing for sure. Well, and just Antonio to that Gibson. point, uh, Michael, that you know a lot of those came when he was – absolutely injured and should have been out. And we talked about yes. that for about three or four weeks lot, straight. Yeah. Like I give him a lot of credit for playing through that. He didn't look pretty doing it, but he did play through it. And even if he gets less touches this year, they could be a lot higher quality touches just because maybe he's not dealing with the injury like he was last year. A little bit of a difference of opinion. You guys uh, feel a little bit better about Antonio Gibson going into the 2022 season than I am. How about this guy right here? And our next, who am I? I was wide receiver 10 by total points and wide receiver 19 by points per game last year. Again, as a reminder, these are all half PPR numbers. Wide receiver 10 by total points, wide receiver 19 by points per game. I am wide receiver 32 by ADP this year. My fun fact, I was the only player with more than 100 catches 
on fewer than 130 targets. Who am I? Who's got a guess here? Mm. Until that last one, I was going to say Chris Godwin. but He was close. He was close on that fun fact. Uh, What about – so what about – how about Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro? Did he have 100 catches? Is it Hunter Renfro? Is it Hunter Renfro? Okay. It's yeah. under Renfro. <laughs> I was trying to think of like high catch rate guys. That's what like, yeah. 82.2% catch rate for Hunter Renfro last season. 103 grabs on 128 targets, which is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, if you if you go to the unfiltered catch rate, it's like a bunch of dudes who had one target or seven targets or whatever. And then suddenly a guy with 128 targets, it's Hunter Renfro. Chris Godwin's actually uh, pretty uh, high up those those rankings too. So that was, uh, that was a good That was, the, it was the other guy. Take. Yeah. Godwin's yeah. the other one that's in my head. Look, we know why he's wide receiver 32 by ADP. It's because last year there was no Devontae Adams in Vegas, and this year there is Devontae Adams in Vegas. So, I, I, I mean, I think, Funston, when we're looking at Hunter Renfro, what we're trying to figure out is how many of those 128 can come back to him this year with Devontae Adams in there alongside Darren Waller. And I think, what, did Waller have 10 or 11 games played? So Waller missed about mm-hmm. seven, six, seven games. And so I forget, I think that allowed Hunter Renfro to kind of own that middle-of-the-field territory as well. So, yeah, I mean... Jake, I'd be curious to know what kind of uh, target projection you have for him, but it's probably not more than he had last year, is it? Oh, how could it be? Mm, no, it is definitively not more than what it is. Less, well, because, imagine. yeah, you got the fact of Waller, too, the issue there. So I actually have him for 112.8. So there yeah, you go. I so, mean, But if he continues that catch rate, you're still talking 16. like 90 catches, right? 86 is what I have him for. for. Well, so I'll just give you the line. Everybody can go and tweak and say, hey, you know, I'm yeah, going to boost that catch out. rate. <laughs> yeah. You know, say, like, your catch rate is too low, which I actually have him at like 76. So it's a drop off from last mm-hmm. year, but that's still one it's of still the highest numbers. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the highest. There's only, what, a handful of wide receivers that even crossed the 70 threshold, like mm-hmm. Adams and Godwin and Cup. So he's in elite territory. But anyway, 113 targets gets him 86, 883, and seven, which is. Still really good, but for projections only, like not my ranks, for projections only, that checks him in as wide receiver 29. So what would you say, 31, two spots over the draft spot? Yeah. 32, so 33, yeah. Take away one touchdown, he gets six instead of seven, he's probably wide receiver 32, you know. I mean, the 32, like, you're not, wide receiver 32, it's not like you are, you're not burning huge draft capital on him. I think that's totally a fair spot for him to go. I guess the one the one area where I come down against Hunter Renfro is just like like there's there's no there's well, there, right there's just no way that he like what would it would take injury for him to significantly outperform ADP. Cuz I mean yeah. with, with Devontae there and whether with it Waller. Be Adams or Waller. Yeah, Waller, yeah. you know if Waller went down you could definitely see it but the touchdowns too because that's part of the thing with Derek Carr last year, 4,800 yards, but one of the worst touchdown rates for that many yards. Well, actually, the worst for that many yards, but one of the worst touchdown rates in general. So back to what you said, Funston, and this is how tight wide receiver is. Losing one touchdown actually drops him down to wide receiver 36. Wow. That's how far you can That's a yeah, six Yeah, eight point. spots just— yeah, I mean, we'll look right here. I have t- So Devonta Smith is my 26th wide receiver at 176.7. And it doesn't even drop to 167 at Christian Kirk at uh, 38th. That's how slim that margin is. Yeah, that's crazy. And so that's that's where I just get into. And that goes I back to the discussion we had on the other show. In another direction. Yeah. Like, why take the top of the tier if we all are agreeing this right. is a giant, another giant tier, like we talked mm-hmm. about on Tuesday? 
is this another giant tier and like why take Renfro near the top of it? Yeah, it's crazy yeah. if you think about it. From 26 to 38, you have about a one point overall difference per slot. You know, <laughs> like you could yeah. basically say if you score one less point, you're dropping a spot. Over. It feels mm-hmm. like the sort of guy who had a great year last year who is going to be way more of a real-life important player than he is in the fantasy. I mean, I, if you're drafting, you're starting in week one, I, I think, in most cases. And I, I don't, I'm don't. i not even sitting here saying you're going to feel bad about Hunter Renfro on your team. I just think that, like, there is there is almost there, – there's you pretty much know what you're getting. Like, wide receiver 30 is almost for sure what you're getting with Hunter Renfro. Like, there is, there is not really a path to him suddenly being the wide receiver 10 or 19 by points per game like he was a season ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so that's that's where I ultimately have a little bit of trouble with Hunter Renfro. Because no matter what, like, you're still – you say this all the time, Jake, right? We're not drafting wide receiver 30 for him to be wide receiver 30. Right. And that's the biggest part of this grouping is like, mm-hmm. I'm not, dra- you know, I, I can see unless you took, I don't know, Metcalf and an injury risk with your first two wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And then may- that's, you know, especially in half and full point PPR, like, all right, I need a guy who can just kind of get me that nine to 12 every single week to just make sure I get through maybe. But yeah, once you get past 23. 23- three 24 25 like i'm shooting for guys who can get into that top 20 because wide receiver just has a litany of those situations where you know as, as fonsta said it's not just the one point per week but you know you got one guy who has a slight breakout and he jumps to wide receiver 20 versus being wide receiver 45 we're not even talking about those guys yet he's my wide receiver 37 so yeah i'm 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 down you hate him i do hate him <laughs> <laughs> i don't hate him but but yeah apparently i do I'm going to tell Vic. I'm going to tell Vic you hate him. Yeah, Vic Taper's coming after you. (laughs) Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, guys, here we go. A uh, Who am I? Number three for this episode of TAFFP. I was wi- running back. I was running back 12 by total points and running back 15 by points per game last year. I'm running back 27 by ADP this year. Fun fact, I was fifth among running backs with 15 touchdowns last no, year. 15 yeah. touchdowns. This is your favorite. 27 yeah. by this ADP. Your, this is your favorite player. Who do we got? Zeke. Zeke. No, I think it's it's actually, Dam- no. Damian Harris. It's Damian Harris. Is it Damian? Yeah, Beller's favorite yeah. player. It is Damian, <coughs> excuse me, Harris. Um, is that his nickname? I mean, look, RB20, yeah. Damian Hoff Harris. <laughs> um, 27? 27? I mean, I mean what, what's different in New England than last year? And then, like, take away, like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not banking him. I'm not banking him for 15 touchdowns, but. No. I Could mean, you bank I think double 10? digits? Is, yeah, I think double digits is reasonable for him. And like, we're talking about the exact 11, same. But all rushing. 
But well, yeah, but we're, we're talking about the exact same coaching staff that, sure, they like Ramondre Stevenson, but when they when both guys were healthy, they never showed a proclivity for letting Stevenson be the guy. It was always Harris as the guy and Stevenson working in. And I, I don't see any reason why we should think that's going to change. You know what's funny is I think oh, – Go ahead, Jake. Go, no, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to think it, it's it's probably, you know, it's a it's it's probably the wrong way to think. It's But I think – I feel like Damian Harris has weathered the Belichick storm. Remember, he had the, those fumble issues or whatever. There was mm-hmm. like seemingly a real battle between him and Ramondre, and it seemed like there was like a couple weeks, like a three to four week seesaw between the two of them. And I feel like Damian Harris came out on the other side as Belichick's guy. Like he is the new kind of like the guy that is going to be the trustworthy one, the one that's going to get the goal line carries, the one that Belichick decided is is my guy, and that's. It seems sort of pat and, and and maybe not, you know, it's steeped in, in statistics and things like that. But I just have that feeling about it. So I'm kind of with you on Harris. Like, what's changed? I don't know that anything has changed. I think he's still going to be the lead option in a crowded backfield, but one that has traditionally served up a lot of touchdowns to the running back and has been, uh, you know, I mean, for RB27, seems like a decent value. You're right. Jake, I mean, how many, how much influence do we think Josh McDaniels had in Harris Stevenson balancing last season? And that well, that's the biggest question, and we still don't know who's going to be even calling the plays. <laughs> they right. still haven't decided. It's July, and we still, <laughs> unless they're just playing Billatrix and just not doing it <laughs> because they just don't tell the news anything. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's the truth. This could just be one of their like, we're not going to tell you who's hurt. That you know, just one of those situations. They decided three months ago, and we're going to find out in August and be like, ha ha, this is who calling our plays. Like every team's going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe it's him. So <laughs> it, it really comes down to uh, I'm conservative, like. You know this, uh, Beller. I think we talked about it was a few weeks ago. I don't, was it with you, Fuston, when we were talking about our love of Damien Harris? And I was saying, like, it just he feels so disrespected about the fact that everybody— No, because I said I th- you you always say rose-colored glasses, and I said that everybody rose-colored glasses what Ramondre Stevenson did last year uh-huh. in those two yeah, games. Yeah, that, was, that so, was this show. Yeah. So, I, you know, as of right now, because of the coaching and Bilicek and because we've seen clustered backfields so much over the past, yeah, what, decade— we're basically since what Lawrence Maroney. I, I would, so I have him at forty-one and thirty-one percent of the share. That could definitively, as you're saying, Beller, be way too high for Ramondre Stevenson. It could be fifty-twenty, and in that case, I have Damian Harris as RB twenty-one. That could be way too low. I mean, that could be Damian Harris should be RB thirteen, twelve. Mm-hmm. So it just really comes down to which way they're going to go. I would love if it is fifty percent Harris and twenty percent Stevenson, and then the rest go to all the other guys, but. I just I don't know with today's NFL. I don't know who's calling the playbook. Maybe we get some reports from the athletic and people covering the team that it looks like what we hope. And in that case, definitely on board with you. But I don't want to say wait and see, but this kind of feels like a wait and see. But either way, here's the good news. He's you can still get him at a discount right now. And that's the good news. Yeah. Yeah. I am at RB 24. I think, you know, some of the the running backs that people mistakenly mistakenly put ahead of him are like AJ Dillon. Uh, you'll see exactly, exactly the guy who I was going to pull out. Yeah. He's the number two guy. I mean, he's a good number two guy, but like, yeah, we're talking about basically Damian (laughs) Harris being the number one guy. I want the number one guy, not the number two guy. And you know, I think Miles Sanders, Would you guys take Damian Harris or David Montgomery. I would take Montgomery. I would, I would. Yes, I think I volume and, and passing Montgomery game here. just went out there for Montgomery. That was that. That was the most reluctance I've ever heard in a voice <laughs> saying an answer. <laughs> I'll take David Montgomery. <laughs> I'll take 
mean, it's it's like like his Damian Harris's game log is like pretty darn consistent. Other than the games where you know they they lost, uh, they got beat pretty good by New Orleans, and he only got six carries. They only he only got four carries uh, against Tampa, and uh, that was not a game that he left due to injury. But if you just look at his game log, like he was basically churning out these you know fourteen point PP, half PPR games week after week after week, and getting I mean twenty three carries, sixteen carries, fourteen, eighteen, fourteen, twenty three, fifteen. I mean he was he was just get like that was that was there that was there for him, and so like. Either for him to not be, I think for him to not outperform the ADP, one of two things has to happen. Either Ramondre Stevenson has a much larger role, which is possible, but I don't think probable, or the wheels on the bus, the wheels on the Patriots bus totally fall off, which is also, I guess, possible, but not probable. Well, and, and that's, if, the, that's if neither of those happens. He's fine. It's kind of the nice thing about last year, though, is they, you know, they had kind of yeah. a not a great offense just yeah. in, in general. The tight ends weren't involved that much. The receivers were among the worst in the league. And then you still had them de- scoring a decent amount of points, and Damian Harris putting up a lot of, a lot of that production. And I don't know that they have significantly upgraded things in a way that's going to change this. The focus being on Damian Harris. Uh, one thing I will say about the offensive coordinator thing is, the more it's just kind of like in this gray area where we don't know who the offensive coordinator is. I think the better it is for Damian Harris because I think it just means it's a status quo kind of rollover situation. You don't bring in somebody who has their own ideas. And, you know, then that's when you worry about, oh, are they going to change what they're doing with Damian Harris? But if we don't know who it is and it's like nothing's been announced, like I just think that's better for Damian Harris overall. All right, guys, we've got two more to tackle here. Let's go, let's go back to the wide receiver position. I was wide receiver 12 by total points and wide receiver 13 by points per game last year. So this guy, very consistent, whether we're talking points or points per game. I'm wide receiver 16 by ADP this year. Among wide receivers with 100 targets, I was 11th in yards per target in 2021. Who do we got here? Hmm. Is it Mike Williams? Yes. Look at this guy. Is Mike Williams? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even get to guess. Get Funston on Fantasy Football uh, Jeopardy. My I had God. A, I had a weird feeling that you were going to throw out a Mike Williams. When he said 12, I was like, that's probably about where he ended up. So. <laughs> Mike Williams. That's your, that's your there freaking you boy. Go. So, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, right? I, Mike Williams is I was going to say Metcalf. I think, you so. know, uh, is Gabe Davis a really good comp Same. for Mike Williams? Like just a the number two a, a bit of a vertical threat maybe not the mm-hmm. the chain moving guy but like great offense great, great offense and great quarterback i think that's it's a pretty good comp for what the upside for gabe davis could be is mike williams what, what mike williams did last yeah. year yeah exactly but it takes a lot so we should be taking so so we should be taking at wide receiver 12 the helium's not enough <laughs> <laughs> say that i guess All right, here's the thing here's i think the, here's the interesting question about mike williams um no one like with we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday's episode with that wide that group of wide receivers those 11 10 11 wide receivers however you want to break it down like we all have those as the top 10 or 11 every single person in the world has those guys as the top 10 or 11 and Mike Williams is not part of that group Mike Williams has a teammate who is part of that group so does that make this does that like I mean there's a lot to like about Mike Williams but is this is this sort of what we talked about with Hunter Renfro but at a higher level that like sure he's gonna be wide receiver 16 but he's not gonna be wide receiver eight like you're gonna get wide receiver 14 to 16 here unless he gets hurt and you're not getting any better than that well it's different though right because like Mike Williams's catches are so much more valuable than Hunter Renfro's 
Mm-hmm. Like Mike Williams. Well, that's why we're talking about wide receiver 16 versus wide receiver 32. Right. Exactly. So you can be the second fiddle to Keenan Allen, but Keenan Allen's more Hunter Renfro, you know, and, uh, and so I just think, you know, the touchdowns are going to be feel like a little bit more of a certainty. And again, we're talking about Justin Herbert and this being year three and like, gosh, he may have a whole nother level that he can go to. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I what what you say is wide receiver 16? I, I think I have him like 18 or 19. I think he's fair as a back end top 20 wide receiver. I I would. Ex- it was an uneven ride last year, if you remember. It was off to a great start. That's the catch. Yeah, off to a great mm-hmm. start, and then we started almost like, oh, it's over. You know, like he's done. Like <laughs> yeah. he, there was even like, should I should I keep him? You know, in some like ten team leagues and things like that. And then he finished strong. But that's the catch with Mike Williams, as as Jake just said. It's it's an uneven ride, and I don't know if that changes a whole lot by the nature of of the kind of player he is. Yeah, Mike Williams would have to eclipse. Keenan Allen is the number one on this team. That's a that's a scenario that could happen at this point yeah. in the careers and Mike Williams, but the likelihood still. I mean, you would have to say Keenan Allen started to see a decline. Uh, maybe gets banged up and isn't one hundred percent for the entire year. So there is a scenario out there. It's just as Fuzz mentioned. What I was going to bring up is even during that initial five games when everybody was like, "Oh my God, the top two wide receivers, one of them's Mike Williams." You can't get better in fantasy, and was, people were going bananas. Uh, if you looked at it after that, it was what four or five straight games of single digits, and he had a few more after that too for the rest of the year. It was yeah. very, it was very DK Metcalf like, and that's actually why he came to my mind. I don't think there's a big difference between DK Metcalf and Mike Williams, even in the offenses that they have right now. And so I actually have Mike Williams and DK Metcalf two spots apart from each other. And I'd rather have Brandon Cooks, uh, Allen Robinson with the Rams, Jalen Waddle even as the second. Even Jalen Waddle is the second piece with Tua. I would take over Mike Williams as the second piece because of that volatility. While I agree with most people who say Williams' ceiling is higher than Waddle because of not having Tyreek Hill and he's closer to Allen, the gap is closer between the two. I'd still say the floor is with Waddle. So if I if I had a volatile for this again, this is how you draft your team. If I have a volatile first wide receiver like a Tyreek Hill, I probably don't pair him mm-hmm. with the uh, Mike Williams, and I look more for like a Brandon Cooks, and then vice versa. Or a Michael, that's a super interesting Michael question Pittman, who because we talked about the other day. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really we're gonna have to find a way to work that comparison in because that that's really fun with with those with the Chargers receivers and the Dolphins receivers because Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill get drafted same neighborhood Jalen Waddle Mike Williams get drafted same neighborhood Mike Williams and Tyreek Hill the guys who are apart from one another on the different teams are the guys who have the big play but volatility to them like that's a that's a fun comparison that we're gonna have to work into a show at some point uh, this summer because uh, I think there's there are a lot of different ways you can go with that and yeah just to drive home this point first five games of the season Mike Williams 31 grabs 471 yards six touchdowns the five games that came after that two for 27 two for 19 two for 58 four for 33 then he got back on the right track five for 97 and touchdown and then the very next week four for 39 yeah. so it's all over the place <laughs> it is all over the place for Mike Williams and there's there's a lot of things to think about with that Chargers offense Keenan Allen Austin Eckler with the the, the, the volume that those guys command it's it's a super fun team but it's going to keep a volatile streak alive for Mike Williams one more player you guys this one brings us back to the running back position here we go I was RB 20 by total points and RB 14 by points per game last year so a little bit of a divergence from what we've talked about to this point I am RB 20 by ADP this year I was one of two backs with 200 plus carries but fewer than 900 yards rushing last year who am I who is this final player we're talking about today 
you kind of, every additional piece kind of eliminated more of my my thoughts because when you initially said that i was over with uh deandre swift but then you yeah. eliminated with the with the other part of it so josh jacobs a guy who's we've we have said this guy's name a couple how of did, times how did deandre today. swift get eliminated what, what was the clue that eliminated him because that's what i had in my mind as well rb rb 20 by adp the, the ADP. Oh. ADP was... RB20 by ADP? Um, it's not... Uh. So it's not Jacobs, but you said... So like J- Oh, you said... What would you say? We said his name I a couple... I said co- we said his name a couple of times today. Oh. Is it, Eli- the, the, is it Elijah the, Mitchell? The, uh, no, no, no. It, it's... I'll take David Montgomery. <laughs> I was I wasn't sure how to approach it because I knew we were going to be talking about him in a couple of minutes. So I didn't know... Like I, I, I was, You totally flustered me. I didn't know what to say. It is David Montgomery. Oh, David yeah. Montgomery's our last guy here. Yeah, I did not have that um, mind that he had less than 900 yards, but that's right. He had a- so I guess I would take David Montgomery, but like this situation might suck. This situation mm. might be really bad this year. Yeah, I uh, I have ETN Jacobs. I would uh, take over him. Right, we know we talked about Brees Hall. That, that my fondness for him. Like, there's quite a bit. I I have David Montgomery on the very very low end of RB twos. He's in the same range for me as Elijah Mitchell, and that's not because I hate Elijah Mitchell. There's again similar to the Antonio Gibson thing. Is Shanahan is the one who started this whole mess. He loves his role. You you fill your role. I don't want anything else. Elijah Mitchell, you're not getting anything in the passing game, unfortunately, as much as we'd like to see it. But you might get 23 carries in a game. But what it comes down to for David Montgomery is it's twofold. It's one is this is a backfield like the Ravens, where you're going to have a share that's already dropped more than 20% because of the quarterback. Yes. So now you're working with under 80% of the rushing share. Uh-huh. And the talk that Khalil Herbert's going to be involved more this year, who showed off nicely last season. I would be shocked. On top of that. Right. So now let's say, what's the difference between Dobbins and Herbert and this situation? Or yeah, Do- Dobbins and Montgomery and Herbert and Gus Edwards. It's like they're a little bit better pass catchers in the Bears offense, but it's kind of content to touchdowns. And I don't think yeah. this offense is going to be very touchdown heavy. So that's why... I don't dislike Dave Montgomery. You swap them. You put Dobbins on this team and Montgomery on the Ravens, and I'd have Montgomery still inside the top 15, and that's really what yep. it comes down to. Yep, I'm totally with you. I am totally with you there. And, like, I mean, this – I don't know. Like, this this is a team that has still been trying to figure out the, the offensive line for years. And, I mean, they're so, they're so far off that we're talking we're, – we're hearing Tevin Jenkins, last year's second-round pick, working with the second-team line already this it's summer insane. I mean it's like it could be bad again it could be like I mean this could be bad up and down the offense and that's just that's not like like the 2020 James Robinsons are anomalies for a reason you just don't play on a bad team and a bad offense as a running back and have great seasons very often it's hard to do that you're really working uphill and uh, I think we could see a whole lot of Sisyphus out of uh, David Montgomery this season Sisyphus wow um yeah, uh, the volume is king. Mantra pull, was, push the boulder up the hill and never stop. Yeah, for I, like this. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, that was nice. It's a, it's a fun little. It's a fun little thing. <laughs> yeah, the volume is king. Mantra was kind of always. He was one of you know. He was a poster back for yeah. that. But you know, Jay, Jake makes a, a good point about the about Justin Fields. Is you know, it, he wasn't. How many games did he start last year? Seven or something like that. Uh, but you know, it's a full season of him. And it's right. It's going to take off the top 20% of the rushing carries. And Khalil Herbert did come in there and he did show well. And it's not like David Montgomery is like, you know, was like 
you know, back in first rounder, early second round, like a guy that they have to have as their franchise. They took him in the third round. They don't, they mm-hmm. don't owe him a franchise tag. Previous regime. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're gonna mix in. You're gonna yeah, be our lead back. Ryan but Pace is not still in Chicago. Right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I used to at the beginning before you know, like I've I've slowly been moving him down and down and down because mm-hmm. I think the volume, the volume thing is really what's been kind of keeping him afloat and now you can start really imagining where that could be significantly reduced this year yards yeah, per carry not a perfect start with stat the- we know that but he's at 3.9 for his career last year 3.8 and even in his quote good year when he ran for 1070 yards he was at 4.3 so it's not a perfect stat but it's also not a stat that you want to see a three leading the way in no it's not and yet yeah, to go to your point funston once you start with the green bay game uh, justin fields was about 7.2 7.3 attempts rushing attempts per game mm-hmm. which you're talking about 120 out of the quarterback position plus yeah. and that just gives you an idea like even if the team runs you know more than most in the league that's still just it's a small set unless he gets 80 percent of the workload but that doesn't sound like that's happening yeah if you get seven to fields and you give seven to herbert then you're starting to talk about, you know, you're really, you're talking 12? like, yeah, 12, <laughs> like, 12 to 15 becomes the norm for Montgomery instead of, you know, 16 to 20. Well, I mean, you go back to the Mark Ingram season with all those touchdowns. He only had 200 attempts that year. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's a totally different, it's a much, much different offense and a much, much different foundation. So, like, this is, this is one that if, if, unless, if, Unless this drops to like RB, unless he's rubbing elbows with Damian Harris, going to be very little David Montgomery on my teams this year. I'm already going to have to watch enough David Montgomery. Oh, this show is all <laughs> Harris, no Montgomery at this point. <laughs> <laughs> all Harris, no Montgomery. A good lesson for you to take into your weekend and out of this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We're going to call it an episode, so thank you very much for listening. For Jake and Funston, I am Michael Beller. Have yourselves a great weekend. We're back with you two more episodes next week. We can't wait to talk to you. Hope you can't wait to listen as well. We'll see you then. <laughs>